the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, uh, great to be with you. Earlier today, I went over to the U.S. Supreme Court, and I went over there because earlier this week, I went over there right when the story leaked that there was a leak. Uh, the the uh, 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 opinion, the draft opinion that leaked. But I went over earlier on Friday because they put up the fences again, a different set of fences, but bigger, actually, a little bit bigger than what they put around the Capitol. And they've got them all around the Supreme Court. And the question you should be asking yourself is, why does anybody think they're going to storm the uh, Supreme Court? And the answer is maybe. Uh, but the bigger reason is that the left has made it clear that they are going to use this threat that they see it as a threat to what they see as important as a reason to go wild. That's what they've said. They need protests. The left has put out the a name, uh, excuse me, the address, home address of the justices so people can target them. Uh, this is what's happened. Now, the, the key here is to understand what I've talked about so often. So I'm going to pause and walk you through this. The key is to understand the narrative machine. The narrative machine, as I've told you, is the combination of big tech, big media, and big government to come together and decide on a truth and then force it on the American people. So in this case, big government is, you know, the first part of big government is a leak where someone leaks a draft opinion. We still don't, we know it was an authentic draft. We don't know what the decision is yet, but that's big government. That's somebody in government. And so far, we have not heard anybody be targeted for prosecution yet. We'll see. So that's big government. You might say to yourself, well, what else is big government? Well, big government is not enforcing the laws. The Department of Justice is not sweeping the streets of people that are protesting. I have not heard the attorney general say he will enforce laws against uh, people who endanger justices by showing up at their house. I haven't heard that. I have heard the attorney general Merrick Garland say, oh, my gosh, it's such a huge threat to women's rights. We will definitely be the Department of Justice ready to fight for women's rights, meaning abortion rights. So, but what about the rest of the narrative machine? The rest of the narrative machine is, and oh, and big government, here's another big government. The President of the United States, Joe Biden, is saying, and, it's, and it is being covered, it's being covered without question. He is saying that the, 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 the draft opinion means that people will lose their other rights, that people will be discriminated against, that people will be targeted for being gay, that people will not be allowed to be in certain places. He has gone, and then he's gone on and insulted anybody who's, he called them MAGA, he says they're extremists. But in other words, he's doing everything he can as big government to heat up the rhetoric, to heat up the division, to try to cause the problems. Okay, that's big government. It's the narrative machine, big government and then big media and big tech. Let's uh, big media. Big media, again, is covering the fact 
that a draft opinion, not yet of the opinion of the court, is a crisis. They are covering the crisis and they are not covering the reality. If you wanted to cover the draft opinion, I don't think you should because it's not real yet. You should be covering the fact that Alito says this won't affect uh, other rulings. This is not something that should be looked that way. But be that as it may, big media is ramping up. They're doing story after story about with women saying to the camera, it's it's really going to be terrible. We're going to have back alley abortions. They, they, they have people out there with hangers for the despicable imagery that is supposed to make people think that there is going to be back alley abortions. It's a lie. At the, I, I wish there would be no more abortions, but as soon as Roe v. Wade is overturned, if you know, and if you're intellectually honest at all, you know that what happens is the matter returns to the states. And in California, they're going to pay you to fly there and get an abortion if you want. If you live in a, a conservative state, a state that will ban abortion, Texas, Oklahoma, they'll ban abortions, and they'll fly you to Chicago so you can have an abortion. That now, I want to argue against that. By the way, I, I, I want to argue persuasively that you shouldn't do that. But the law is not going to stop you. At least initially, there's no one I see at the federal level trying to lead an effort to ban abortion. I don't see it. If you think it's murder, you ought to be seeing it. But here we are. So big tech, big media, excuse me, big government is ramping up the rhetoric. Joe Biden is lying about the rhetoric. But because he's lying, big media will cover him. They won't uncover him. They won't uh, disclose that he's lying. They won't confront him. So big government says it. Then big media covers it, and the, and the covering, what they're covering is real fear. Fear. Fear for your daughter. Fear for your mother. Fear for your uh, kids. Fear for the future. Fear, 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 coming from Biden and the administration, and then covered by the media, and big tech plays along. Big tech plays along. I mean, what is the big tech? Big tech is silencing in the last 24 hours. They've they've taken um, uh, Dinesh D'Souza off the air. Uh, this is an unrelated topic, but Dinesh D'Souza has a new movie called 2000 Mules, which I'm going to watch this weekend. I'll report on Monday. We're going to talk to Dinesh D'Souza next week, uh, I think on Monday or Tuesday. But he, along with Catherine Engelbrecht, put together this movie that said, we don't know what it means, but we've got 2000 people that are going from Dropbox to Dropbox in the 2020 election and dropping multiple times. What are they doing? We don't know. That's his claim. His claim is not, I've proven it in court. His claim is not the election should be overturned. None of that is his claim. And big tech has knocked him off. Big tech has knocked him off social media. Now, back to my point. If someone stands up like the president of the United States and says that the draft opinion of Alito means X and that's a lie, isn't that disinformation? I mean, isn't that something that if that's the point, but big tech goes right along and, and they're willing to highlight all of the same fear, all of the same crisis. Why? Because the business model, the business model of big tech and big media is to make money on a crisis. Now, they are also leftists, I believe. They're primarily leftists. There may be a conservative mixed in every now and then, but they're primarily leftists. So it's in their interest, I believe, to want us to go in the direction of a lot of this bad stuff. But primarily, they are in the business of taking the lead from government who has such a powerful role and then amplifying it for a crisis. And so when I walked over to the Supreme Court and saw that the, the, the offenses up, I thought, wow, the riots will be starting. The protests in which they get violent after dark in the nice weather of May, June, July will start very soon. And you say, well, do people really care enough? They don't. 
But they didn't under, they didn't with George Floyd, George Floyd. They didn't in Ferguson, uh, with Michael Brown. They were paid to come. Organizers brought them some. Uh, let me be clear. Not everybody was paid to be there, but there were paid operatives who organized it and took advantage of people that needed and wanted to be angry about something. Again, because Big Beanie and Big Government told them, but still. So just like George Floyd and the riots, Michael Brown and the uh, burning Ferguson down, the, the people who overturned cars and lit them on fire when Donald Trump was sworn in. Remember that on Inauguration Day? And now we're going to see this engineered crisis. There will be crisis after crisis events to try to make and change the subject from the failing economy, from the broken energy policy, from all these other things. And, you know, one of the things I, I keep doing this, I was on an interview this morning, keep talking about, follow the money. Follow the money. Do you know, do you realize that it's hundreds of billions of dollars every year that goes into the abortion industries and related areas and is in the favor of abortion, abortion industries, and that 99.9% of the time they support candidates on the left, Democrats. Now, that's just a description. It's like it used to be with the Chamber of Commerce. If you were a Democrat in the old days, you could say Chamber of Commerce, 97% of the time supports a Republican. It's not true anymore because too many Republicans actually stood up to the uh, America lasters in the Chamber of Commerce and on Wall Street. But we're watching the ultimate, the great hoax, not ultimate because there'll be another one, but the next great hoax. And here's one last prediction about this. As they ramp up this hoax and they generate the violence and the, and, the, and the protests and the images they need, it will be utilized as a claim. Whether I'm, I'm, It could be true, I doubt it, but it, it will be used as a claim to say this is what increased turnout. And when they win races they shouldn't win like they did in 2020, you will not be allowed to look and say, is this about... Some sort of impropriety? No, 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 no. That would be that would be terrible. That would be. It, this is simply about the energy of the people being turned to this. That's what they will start to say. By the way, I don't know for sure if it's not true. I just know that's what the that's you can see where the hoax is leading. The hoax is leading to some place where they can use it to justify, just like COVID. COVID was utilized to justify the fortifying of the election in such a way that turnout was predictable in much of the country or even better, more favorable to Trump in much of the country. The turnout was actually uh, unpredictable, except for in eight places or six or seven places. Whereas 2000 mules, I mean, where 2000 mules and others have looked at it and said, what was going on here? So what you need to know is when I saw the fences at the Supreme court, just like I saw the fences after January 6th, I thought, huh, these people are serious and they're going to use their power to try to perpetrate another hoax. And that hoax is coming. That hoax is coming. It's going to, it's coming for the summer of 2022 and, and Lord bless our nation that it doesn't work, but it usually does work. They know what they're doing. All right. We got to take a break. We come back. We got some great interviews. We will visit. Um, I'm really excited about catching back up with Andrew. Oh, let me say his name right. Crap. You He's a really good dude. And also Ray Moore. My friend Ray Moore will be with us talking about public schools and his exodus project. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the pro America report back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the pro America report. Uh, uh, my friend E Ray Moore, who is a, an activist, uh, 
I don't know what, how he described himself, but he's been an activist teaching me for probably 15 years uh, since I've been paying attention to this about the problems with education. And he, I will give him this credit, E. Ray Moore was ahead of a lot of others. A lot of times people were saying, in fact, Alex Newman famously at a speech that I was in, in attendance at, it was one of our Eagle events. He had for a long time said, we can fix the public schools. Let's fix the public schools. And he gave a speech and he said, we can't fix the public schools. You got to get out. And, uh, and, and Ray Moore has been saying uh, that for years now. And he is the founder and chairman of publicschoolexit.com. If you go to that website, you'll see lots of resources, how to understand the argument, how to talk about it, um, ammunition for the, the intellectual fight, as well as practical details. So first of all, welcome, Ray, to the program. How are you? Well, thank you for having me. And as we mentioned earlier, you know, I'm uh Schlafly was my political mother. I started yeah. following her career when I was 18 years old, and I'm 78 now. So wow. she wow. was such an important person to so many of us. Well, she sure was, and I know she had great admiration for you and for what you're, you're, you've done and your, uh, your way of, uh, of fighting for the, for the good causes. In fact, um, I, I will, uh, I'm reminded uh, that Phyllis, one of the things that she, uh, she loved to write. She was a writer more than anything, and at the end of her life, she was still writing, uh, and she, she would admire uh, people who were uh, putting out the arguments. Uh, and, and again, if I push people, publicschoolexit.com, you'll see a lot of, uh, of the uh, ways to articulate the arguments. Uh, Ray Moore has been doing this for a long time. Also, uh, Ray, remind me, uh, uh, Christ, uh, what is it? Christ, uh, Ed, you, yeah. Um, yeah. The that's other, that's Christ, the alliance that we formed. Yes, it's tell us about that. Christian Education Initiative, and I was on the 700 Club with that uh, on the 3rd. Mm-hmm. But it's the the URL is ChristEDU.org. There you go. ChristEDU.org. And I'm the chairman of that as well. Mm-hmm. And Dran Reese is the CEO for Public School Exit. And Alex Newman is the ED, Executive Director. Yep. And I'm the chairman. Yep. So I don't run it day to day. But they are members of ChristEDU. Yep. And that's the big operational Thing we have going right now, publicschoolexit.com, because that helps uh, your members and your audience to know how to get started. Yes, exactly. K 12 Christian schools and homeschooling. Well, but and so let me ask you first, pulling back a little bit, Ray, again, because you've been at this for years, decades, saying, hey, we have to be focused on our kids. We're not, you know, we're not getting it done right. And for many years, you were saying, and you were a little bit of a lonely voice, you were saying, don't try to reform those public schools. It's just not going to work. I mean, you were right about that argument, but you still have a lot of momentum, even in the pandemic in some ways. Um, it further people got to look at what public education was. and They said, I don't want that. But you still a lot of people, the the momentum of the public schools, they pay taxes, they see it around them. It's convenient. How do you sort of coach people on pulling the Band-Aid off on this? Well, they've got to see um, and it's easy for Christians to see this, I think, is that public education is an illegitimate model for education. We think the scripture and theology and church history assign the education of children to the family and the church, or with private associations, not government. They have no role. And so we can't fix it because it's not ordained. And it's also a socialistic model. And and conservatives and Christians don't uh, support socialism in any area. So why would we support it in education, which is going to influence everything else that we do. So we start with that point, and then we're trying right now to encourage churches and families to set up 
schools, which is happening, we're we're seeing an utter total explosion in our movement in the last two years since the pandemic. Homeschooling has doubled from two and a half million children to five or six million in in this cycle we're in. K twelve campus. Uh, Christian in in private schools are growing at the rate of 10, 20, and 30% a year. Mm, Wow. So we say we're in a once in a 100 year moment for our movement. So let's don't try to save save the system when it's dying. Uh, Christians and conservatives shouldn't jump in there and try to fix public education. Let's let it die. It's dying now. And we possibly could replace it uh, entirely in a few years. Uh, we're talking again with uh, E. Ray Moore, who is the chairman of uh, these two uh, efforts. And uh, when I'm on publicschoolexit.com, uh, Ray, and one of the things that I was saying is practical. If you go there and click one of the buttons is school options. And so it'll actually go through hire a teacher or tutor. You know, if, you, if your child needs one-on-one, you can do that. Then home-based, which is homeschooling and private schools. And that's the interesting development to me. A lot of times, Ray, it felt like people were saying, well, my choices are getting my kids out of school and homeschool. And what a lot more you're hearing is, no, no, let's uh, start up in St. Louis, where I'm from. There was a startup, uh, one of these Veritas schools, you know, classical education. They're popping up everywhere. I mean, they're popping up all over the place. And and people, once you have the confidence to start and the uh, know-how, which is, I think, one of the things that you're offering here, people are getting more confident to try to figure out what to do uh, and how to do it. Um, Ray, what? pause for one second. How did you, how do you also address though, um, people don't believe that you can do online what you do in person, but there is a role, isn't there in the system for online and you're in your idea of getting out of the public school. Right. And of course, a lot of the online programs will have, you know, parents uh, at home working with them. So uh, one-on-one teacher to child is preferred, but, uh, we certainly cannot anymore use the public school system. So uh, online homeschooling is, is, is a good uh, secondary thing, and it does work, and, it, and the children can grow in that. And that's a big development in our movement. It's a lot of good online uh, materials. The movement is exploding. And so we're asking, you know, your audience to, to join in with it and, uh, you know, look at these uh, sites that we mentioned and uh, and I I've been doing this Ed 25 years. Wow! Uh, officially, and we my wife and I started homeschooling our own children in the late 70s. So mm. we've been at it since <laughs> the late 70s. Yeah, a long time. Uh, Ray, we're again we're talking with E. Ray Moore, uh, chairman uh, of these two efforts that I'm talking about, and I'll put all this up on social media and over on our website. Um, the another aspect of what's happening as it's exploding. Um, is more people who may not sit around saying I'm a conservative politically are saying, I just want something for my kids. Um, and, you know, so it's sort of separated out where where for a while it would have been like, well, those homeschoolers, they're all uh, conservatives. Well, it turns out lots of homeschoolers are now even progressive, some of them. I mean, I, I think there's still a, a, a predisposition to be more conservative, but there's lots of people who are saying I want better, including and especially what I call the only systemic racism in the country, which is our failed urban schools, our public schools, which are just all um, black and brown, you know, heavily black and brown. And those, those children are trapped. Um, and more and more uh, people of color are saying, we got to have something different. Uh, are you, uh, tell me how you're seeing that and how that's playing out. Oh, it's, it's absolutely wonderful what you just said. Uh, we are closely associated with a group called national black home educators, uh, it's nbhe.net in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. 
And a very conservative couple started that years ago and 20-something years ago. And before the pandemic, they were at 5,000 dues-paying families, mm-hmm. probably represented 20,000 children. Since the pandemic, they have grown to 35,000 dues-paying families. Wow. The vast majority would be African-American. And they had to hire two or three new staff just to accommodate the growth. Hmm. So they, we, we believe homeschooling is growing faster in the black community <laughs> than in the white community. Hmm. And a lot of them are starting Christian schools. This is a dramatic a shift beyond wonderful. Hmm. Uh, by the way, I, I want to make sure uh, Ray, E. Ray Moore, um, he's retired uh, uh, from uh, the Army Reserves as a chaplain, had many, many years as a pastor, um, played lots of uh, uh, roles in, in politics and has been at this, as you mentioned, for uh, uh, for de- decades and decades and is the president of Frontline Ministries as well as Exodus Mandate and the chairman of the board of the Christian Education Initiative, which I was mentioning, which is ChristEDU.org, ChristEDU.org, and plays a leadership role also. Yeah. Yes, sir. If I could put out my personal web page, it's something we started 25 years ago, and it's being kind of, you know, I'm part of these other groups, but it yep. still exists. And so yep. if people want to reach out to me personally, they could contact me through exodusmandate.org, exodusmandate.org, Great. or exodusmandate at gmail.com. Okay, great. Well, thank you, uh, Ray. We'll have you on again. Let's so let's talk about this again. Let's not let so much time pass. I, I think, as, as you say, describing to people what's happening and where the resources are is a part of giving people confidence to keep moving forward. You know, it feels like we all heard that the pandemic made us take a second look. Well, you need to know practically what's happening and what steps you can take. So uh, I'm out of time, but we will we'll have you back on again very soon, Ray. Thank you. Look forward to seeing you in a few weeks. Yes, that'll be great. It'd be nice. Uh, uh, E-Ray Moore, everybody. I'll put up all this up on social media. Make sure we get those websites there. And uh, and if you go to ProAmericaReport.com, you can listen to this segment again, pass it on to other people, uh, and go back. And especially, again, uh, if you go over, um, I'll, I will say them again right now, uh, PublicSchoolExit.com, PublicSchoolExit.com, quite a bit of uh, resources right there. And also ChristEDU.org, both those websites, as we were talking with uh, uh, E-Ray Moore Uh, the founder and uh, leader of the Exodus Mandate also. Uh, We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, a few months ago now, we had on the chief executive officer of Red Balloon. And you may remember this. It was We were ahead of the curve, of course. Uh, Redballoon.work is the website. And uh, it's a job connecting website for employers, for workers, uh, having great success. The founder and the CEO is Andrew Krapuschetz. Uh, Andrew was on the show. We were talking back then about the economy and what's going on. Well, uh, this week, as the news about Roe v. Wade possibly being reversed, we've talked about how that hasn't actually been formally promulgated, but there is his opinion out there. Uh, I got an email from one of his colleagues, Andrew's colleagues, said, hey, Andrew, will talk on the air and, and talk about what it would mean. What's the labor market? What's it do in our nation? And I thought, man, and he was a pretty sharp guy before. Let's let's do it. So Andrew Krapuschetz is with us, uh, CEO again of Red Balloon. If you go to redballoon.work, you'll find out all about it. There's a good about page. So uh, welcome back, Andrew. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me, Ed. Well, I, the, my first question on this is about what happens when uh, suddenly 
um, something changes in the law or maybe in policy. And then does the job market, the labor market, it has to adjust, but how big is the lag? And I'll give you a different example first. When the Biden administration came in, they said, we're going to allow no fracking. Or maybe they didn't announce it like that. They just said, we're going to change all the rules that Trump had made, his EPA had made it easy. So in Pennsylvania, I had a guy on the show last week uh, who's running for Senate in U- in uh, Oklahoma. He said his little small town where he lives, they did fracking. As soon as the change happened, uh, dozens, I don't know, maybe scores is the right word, of jobs were gone. So first, broadly, when you see a big change in the law or in policy, like maybe coming with Roe v. Wade, do you see how quickly can you see jobs shift locations? Yeah, well, let me give you a couple of examples okay. of cool um, of other things, um, and then we'll get back to Roe v. Wade. Okay, so, uh, if you look at the Jolts report, which is the BLS, they put out a report of how many openings there are in each different category of job in America every single month. So right. they put out the Jolts report, and if you look at January of 2020, right before the pandemic, there were about 1.2 million openings for healthcare workers in America. This is America-wide, right? So 1.2 million openings. These are unfilled positions that hospitals or doctor's offices can't fill their positions. So 1.2 million openings. If you fast forward one year to January of 2022, and like you realize 2020 was a hard year for a healthcare professional. They're going through um, a lot of hours, a lot of stress and anxiety with uh, coronavirus and everything, right? So we go through and guess what? It's still at 1.2 million openings, um, which was surprising to me when I looked at that. So a lot of the healthcare workers, because they care about people, they're able to take on an enormous burden and go through that whole thing. Then what happens in early 2021 is the Biden administration, you have all these vaccine mandates come down. The people are going to either get vaccinated or lose their job. And then the Supreme Court rules that, okay, that's not constitutional for most Americans, but healthcare workers, you're allowed to force them. You know, healthcare workers are people who know the most about medicine, have the most training, uh, most personal experience. They don't get to have a choice on this particular subject. And you start seeing 100,000 new unfilled positions a month Hmm. in America for healthcare workers. And between January of 2021 and January of this year, um, it went from 1.2 million openings to two, or just under 2 million openings. And as of March of this year, it's over 2 million openings. So there's unfilled positions um, in, these, uh, in these positions because there was a policy change, right? And so there absolutely is this. And I, I've talked to a lot of nurses here at redballoon.work who basically said, look, I was a hero in 2020 and I loved it. And, you know, I worked a lot of hours and it was really hard. And then I had some questions about this vaccine and lo and behold, I was shown the door and she was like, I'm getting out of this profession and I want to go do something else. Can you help me? And, and we were able to help her. But um, but it tells you that policy does have a dramatic impact on the labor market and on people's desire to work. When you make it really painful for people to work or they have to go against their personal opinions, um, it's bad. OK, but before we get to Roe v. Wade, because I do want to get let spend a better part of the, the conversation, I, I want to pause and ask you a question. I used to say about the economy um, that you can look at certain you had to take a couple of different index indexes together, indices together. Um, yeah. One was one. I would say one was um, 
uh, consumer and small business confidence. So confidence is one. One is the stock market, you know, and one is unemployment. And I said small uh, small business confidence is what I what I meant. So how small businesses feel that's kind of Main Street. Uh, uh, the stock market is Wall Street, and then unemployment is is uh, regular folk. You put those three together, and you can start to see everything's off in this country. It seems to me economically, except yep. the unemployment numbers. Right. Why is that? Well, I think that you um, you you have a lot of money going around the system, and so you have a lot of businesses that are willing to pay. I, t- I talked to an employer, uh, I talked to a friend of an employer in the Bay Area, and they just put out a seven-figure offer for an engineer, wow. a million-dollar offer for an engineer because the labor market is so tight, and if you want very specific skill set, and of course, they had DEI quotas they had to fill, so they were looking for you know, the perfect engineer who also had the right skin color and the right political opinion. And, you know, supply and demand still matters. And so lo and behold, that's a very expensive proposition. So, Mm -hmm. um, no, so uh, the reason that the labor market is so tight is we do have a shortage of people. America has been below the replacement rate, which is 2.1 for birth rate uh, since the 70s, early 70s. And you simply don't have enough young people coming into the labor market to keep up. And so that's part of the reason you're seeing a really tight labor market. Um, and if you go back to some of these healthcare workers, uh, I did a deeper dive. I'm like, okay, well, 2 million uh, unfilled positions. Well, the problem is actually more acute in blue states. Hmm. And so you have people who are saying, you know what, I'm fed up with these policies. You've made it very difficult to work. I actually just want to help people. I want to be a healer. I don't want to be a political activist at my hospital um, and push on political points. And so um, there was a hospital in New York last year, late last year, that when they passed the vaccine mandate, they had enough people quit that they said, hey, we can't deliver babies. So if you needed to deliver a baby, you need to figure out another solution because we simply don't have the staff for it, which is shocking for Americans because we're used to, you know, we just kind of have the healthcare that we need when we need it. Right. right? Um, and there was another hospital that was saying they had a nurse to patient ratio of uh, 30 to one. So there was one nurse for 30 patients because they just simply didn't have the staff. And this was also in New York. And so um, these are some of the I'll call it labor market ramifications of policy. Um, and the labor market is historically tight because there's simply not enough people for all the money that's running around this economy right now to get all the work done. All right. Now let's uh, shift a little. Again, we're talking with Andrew uh, Krapuschetz, and he is the CEO and founder of RedBalloon.work. Uh, Red Balloon is called, the subtitle is uh, subheading, uh, the slogan is uh, free to work. You go there, jobs there, uh, people. It's kind of a, a, a safe place. You won't be canceled. You won't be questioned. But so, Andrew, what's your theory? Give me your thesis on Roe v. Wade. I guess it's an employment argument, right? If you're in California, you may just, there may be laws passed that say abortion, uh, you know, on demand. I think it's already there though, right? But if you're in Oklahoma, right. they're going to ban it. Uh, so if you want to be in an abortion, I, I, what, what, tell me how you think the jobs impact is. Yeah, well, you're going to see a bifurcation of the country even more than you've seen historically, right? You're going to have more conservatives moving to uh, red states that are passing laws against abortion um, and more people who want um, abortions or want to be um, in the type of state that allows abortions moving to uh, some of the uh, blue states. And so I think you're going to um, you're going to see a, a significant shift in the labor market connected to this. Um, and uh, what's interesting is the Biden administration is also right now, and this is being talked about a lot, they're trying to remove a protection that the Trump administration put in for doctors. 
Trump administration said that if you're a doctor and you decide that you don't want to do a procedure for uh, because of your conscience. So if your conscience says, you know what, I don't want to do a trans surgery or I don't want to hack up a baby in a mother's womb, you are able to walk away from that. Well, the Biden administration is trying to remove that protection from doctors. And so if they refuse to do um, a transgender surgery, they would be um, in real danger of being accused of not giving care to a patient um, in, um, and that can get them a lawsuit and they can lose their license. And so when you remove those protections, um, doctors are either going to leave the labor market, which would only exasperate this problem that we talked about um, earlier, or they're going to move to a red state where they're not going to be required to uh, do those procedures because they're not legal. So I think that you're just going to see uh, more of a migration and more of a concentration of worldview. Um, and it's going to look like a labor market shift, but it is really just a worldview shift uh, that the labor market is uh, making clear to all of us. Uh, we're talking with, again, Andrew Krapuschetz. He's the CEO and founder of uh, of RedBalloon.Work. You can go there and learn a lot more about it. Um, how fast does that happen? I, again, yeah. and, and, and one of the, let me say, let me pause. I just walked over to the Supreme Court for my office. So they're putting a big fence around it. And my prediction is they're the same forces that, uh, that galvanized the, uh, the effort to after I'm from Missouri, uh, in Ferguson after Michael Brown died. They, yep. they, they tore, they burned that city down after George Floyd was, was, uh, where he died. They, they burned, uh, Minneapolis or whatever it was. I mean, there, there's a, the plan is in place in my mind to have a summer of, of whatever. I, I hope and pray it, it fizzles out because I don't think enough of the country wants to um, wants to fight over Roe v. Wade. But uh, if you pay for it, they'll probably do it. People will do anything. So I but so the issue is going to become hotter. Uh, It's going to get decided either way. Whatever whatever happens will happen by July 1st. So now how fast does it happen and how and how secretive if you're pro abortion right now, you don't say publicly why you're pro-abortion. You have all these reasons. I mean, you, if you're pro-life, you say, I think it's a baby. I think it's a baby. Right. We want to protect it. If you're pro-abortion, you say things like, well, people should have their body. They should have this. When the truth is, you don't think it's a baby. That, I mean, be fair. I mean, just go ahead and right. say it. But they can't say that because it's not palatable. On the other hand, being pro-life in some uh, employment settings is not particularly easy either. So how quickly do you think the job portion of this uh, settles out? Is it, does it get faster because of how fast our way of life is now? I, I think depending on the type of occupation. So if you're a doctor um, and it might go faster, right? We were seeing uh, significant openings through this vaccine mandate um, in blue states. And so I think you're going to see People will be like, look, I, I want to go somewhere where I have the freedom, especially if Biden passes this law, because right now, if you're in New York and you say, look, I don't want to perform abortions um, because of, you know, I'm a conscientious doctor and I don't want to. You're allowed to say that. But if Biden actually removes that protection, then you won't have that option. And I've talked to a couple of doctors who got out of the labor market very, very quickly or just quit their jobs and started their own practice so that they were not put in a position where they had to do something that they felt was morally morally reprehensible. And so I think that's going to be a shift. It's interesting. Also, a lot of these companies, you saw Amazon was offering a $4,000 benefit to employees who wanted to travel to get an abortion. Um, I mean, uh, you're going to see uh, those shifts happen more slowly because uh, employees that are at an Amazon are going to say, you know what? Why am I working for and making money for a company that despises life so much? 
Um, I saw a funny article from Babylon B uh, saying that, you know, all the pro it's protesting season again, and everyone's getting out there, my body, my choice signs that they had to put away for the coronavirus. <laughs> uh, right. Like, oh, wait, we need these signs again. We weren't allowed to use them before, but back to it. So, yeah. uh, so I, I think you're going to see continued shifts, um, but we're already seeing these, right? If you look at the unemployment rate by state, 17 of the top 20 uh, states for healthiest economy, lowest unemployment rate have Republican governors. So the policies that are driving um, this woke ideology are actually bad for the economy and they're bad for the workers in that economy. And so um, I think you're just going to continue to see a shift uh, to places where people want freedom. They're tired of it. Um, we're seeing a conservative awakening all over the country right now. And people are eager to find freedom. They're eager to find a place where their freedom is respected. Hmm. All right, Andrew Krapyshets, thank you for taking the time. I got to run. Uh, Redballoon.work is the website. Uh, he also has got written a number of places. I'll put some of them on social media. Thank you, Andrew, for your time. We'll have you on again very soon. Thanks so much, Ed. Have a great day. You too. We'll take a break, everybody. Uh, when we come back, we got a lot more. And if you go over to ProAmericaReport.com, you can see this segment and other segments over there and sign up for the daily email that goes out every morning at 8 a.m. Uh, East Coast time. So we'll take a break. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Remaking a political party is difficult, but it's essential now as the entrenchment of a few liberal Republicans has become intolerable. Never before has anyone improved and remade a political party as Donald Trump is doing, and failure is not an option. An obstacle is the tradition of primary voters re-electing incumbents. Of the primary challenges to state Republican legislatures so far this year, incumbents have been overwhelmingly successful. Thankfully, Donald Trump's endorsements can make a world of difference. As the primary season continues, many challengers in battleground states will have Trump's endorsement, which gives him a fighting chance. Trump is especially turning his attention to Michigan, a state that he won in 2016, but that was taken from him in 2020 without any post-election audit. Trump reportedly won 370,000 more votes in Michigan in 2020 than in 2016, but Joe Biden was declared the winner based on a dull use of inadequately verified mail-in ballots. Michigan gets cold in the wintertime and depends heavily on energy and on gasoline-powered cars that can run in the frigid weather. A study by AAA showed that when temperatures drop to 20 degrees Fahrenheit, which is common in Michigan, the range of an electric car drops by 41%. Conservatives should drive this issue to the bank in a state built on selling Corvettes and Mustangs. Pressing on the gas pedal should convert Michigan as West Virginia has been converted with its dependency on traditional energy. After all, Trump won West Virginia by a whopping 39 points in 2020, and he won nearby Ohio by more than 8 points. Next door, Michigan could easily become solidly Republican thanks to Trump and his pro-energy policies. By using the moniker progressives, liberals try to create an aura of inevitability around their movement. After all, who can possibly stand in the way of progress? However, there's no true progress in what the left promises. True victory is not found by clinging blindly to a party, but in holding a party to a strong set of conservative values. 
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For 50 years, Mrs. Schlafly promoted grassroots efforts to rally conservatives. Today, you can harness the power of social media by going to phyllisschlafly.com and sharing these commentaries with friends across the country. Get started at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back, everybody. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Out of time again. Out of time again. Have a great weekend, everybody. My best to uh, all of you and your families. I hope it's a great Mother's Day. I do love Mother's Day, especially now that my wife is um, a great mother to our four kids. There's a lot of uh, fun to be had. Hope people have a great Mother's Day. If you're missing your mother this uh, Mother's Day, I'm really sorry about that. There's a lot of folks uh, that do, and um, there's a sadness there. So, but... Hope you have a chance to have a good weekend no matter what. Thank you, as always, to our great Noah Dingley, the producer, and also associate producer, Joanne Spilger. I'll be watching uh, 2,000 Mules this week, and I'll report in on the next show. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and sign up there for the daily email and pay attention to what we're doing. Talk to you next week. Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.